All right, welcome back to the Firestarters podcast, Heart Driven Edition. We are going to start today reading in chapter 7, God's Sorrow. First off, I just want to say I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you guys are enjoying the, the reading so far. I um, appreciate you turning in with us. And um, yeah, let's say a prayer. Father, it's actually you would just give us revelation. And um, Father, just a, a knowledge of, of Jesus as we uh, read about his love and the love of the Father and that we would understand you more through your word. As Father, this um, these words came from, from your word. And so we ask that you would just open our eyes, Father, to truth, um, to uncertainty, and that, um, Father, we would take that uncertainty into the truth, Lord, and let you come and just ravish us, Father, and just come, Father, and just um, remove the stain from the glass and um, that we would see just the heart of, of God as we just go deeper into you, Lord, today. As Lord, as, as Father, you just led me into your your heart, Father God, just knowledge as you, as you just write the ship and prepared my mind, Father, to write of you as I've been with you, God. And so I just give you praise, Father, for for what came from this God, and I just want people to know you more. And so I ask for just revelation, God, as we just read what, Father, you led me to write. Open up hearts, minds, let's throw away, Father God, things like theology and and, and knowledge and all that, God, that um, maybe is of our own. And just come and just teach us the truth that you are caring, God, much more than you are a, a sovereign God. You're, you're a caring God. And Lord, I, I thank you that you are heart, Father, more than head, knowledge. And so I ask that you would just come and just teach us, Father, from that basic truth as we go into it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so God's sorrow, like I have been doing in these other chapters, I'm going to read some of this, and I'll stop and pause and commentate sometimes. But we're going to go through the next three chapters here, more than likely. Some of these chapters get a little bit small. So we may, we may venture over into a fourth chapter, but we'll see how it goes. Um, okay, here we go. To be able to fully understand the love of God, we must first take a look at the sorrow of God. How can a being completely knowledgeable of past, present, and future become sorrowful as a result of anything he would witness? To get a glimpse into this heart of God, let us take a look at our own hearts first. If we already knew the day the closest person to us would pass away, would it change the fact that it would bring us great sorrow when it did occur? If the doctor said our wife only had three months to live when the day finally came, would our hearts break any less? Sure, it would not have had the same effect as a tragic sudden ending, but nonetheless, would there be many less tears shed? His knowledge prepares his heart for what is about to happen, but it does not protect it. His heart is still vulnerable to pain, regardless of what he knows. The Hebrew word for grief that we find attributed to God on several occasions is A-T-S-A-B, asab, meaning pain, anger, or hurt. So yes, God does grief, and that grief does lead to a sorrow that often makes him wish that he had not chosen to do whatever has caused his current pain. Whether that was the creation of man and the resulting anarchy in Genesis 6, 5-7 through 7, we see, appointing Saul as king over Israel only to find him unfaithful, 
or ever granting his mercies to a rebellious people, as we see in Isaiah chapter 63. Yet for all of that, for all of his sorrow, God did these things anyway. He does not back down. He has a plan. And regardless of what it costs his heart, he will not relent. His love for us is too great. So where does he hurt? In the deepest places of who he is. His spirit. Isaiah 63.10 But they rebelled and troubled his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. It is in his spirit that he experiences pain. Much further into his heart than just some surface level sorrow is where grief grabs a hold of him. We find out that our father was just killed in a car crash. We turn around at the mall and our child is gone. The doctor tells us that it's cancer. Somewhere deep inside we groan. The pain reaches far within. And thus we see the same heartache with God birth out of a righteous soul. For him, grief is always tied into his hatred for sin. And more importantly, how that sin keeps us from him. He wants so desperately to love us. Therefore, we can understand why anything that keeps him from fully doing so would be the full object of his hate and accompanying sorrow. At some point or time, we may have all just envisioned God's Holy Spirit as some unseen heavenly being or ghostly vapor of sorts. But he is much more than that. He is a person, a person with a mind, a will, a voice, and a heart to love from. Someone who can search out the depths of a man's heart, forbid and permit him to act, have his heart grieved, and even pray. This is the Spirit of God that interacts with us. It is from the Spirit that we are loved. No, he's not just a puppeteer, the lawgiver, a righteous judge. He is love, perfect love. And a love that is perfect can only come out of the purest of all things, a perfect heart. A heart whose every action is birthed from the goodness, from goodness and whose every intent is to bring us life. That is the heart we see time and time again put in the forefront throughout the scriptures. What else were all those stories for if not to show us who he truly is? Was not God putting his own heart in the spotlight so that somehow we could begin to understand him? Yes, he is so much more than we can ever imagine or comprehend. But if these stories were not his way of giving us some small glance at who he is, then truly what are their purpose? Just children's tales? Are we not supposed to be seeking? Have we not been told the way we learn about God is through his word? Did he not tell the prophet Jeremiah that you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If we find something, obviously, we get to know a lot about it. Think of the first man who discovered diamonds. He may not have known every intricate detail about what he had stumbled upon, but judging by all that he could see, I am sure he realized it was something of great value. No, these are more than just kids' tales. They are more than just God taking over the earth through the Israelites. They are more than just prophecies. And there were certainly more than just anthropopathies, I can't even say that word very well, which is the attribution of human emotion to a non-human being, God stooping to human modes of thoughts, as some sometimes suggest. Otherwise, we would have no clue as to who God is. They were glimpses into the very heart of God, a heart that our hearts were patterned from, and a heart that we're supposed to be seeking with all of our own. Next chapter here, Perfect Heart, we're on page 42. If we're ever to begin to understand God's perfect love, we must first begin to understand God's perfect heart. Every intent of his heart is good. The end result of everything he does is to perpetuate that goodness and all that he has created. 
Unlike us, he does not have the slightest trace of evil lurking within to set him off course or to wreak havoc with his desires. So all that he does is birthed out of a pure heart, his one goal being to love us and to be glorified through us, reciprocating that very same love back to him. That is all it has ever been about since the beginning. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, like lovers taking a stroll through the park, enjoying life together. The Hebrew children were his special people, chosen as the objects of his love for the whole world to see. All he ever wanted was to bless them. The commandments, the law, all that he ever wanted out of them was to create a heart that was fully able to receive everything he longed to give by removing all traces of what he most hates, sin. And then there is a Gentile, a people who were not his people, a people without hope, far from the promises of God, but who became predestined by him to be chosen as his own. If his first love, Israel, wasn't going to accept the offer, God was going to find someone else to date. Yes, like a scorned lover searching for a way to get even, part of his goal here was to provoke her to jealousy, as we see in Romans chapter 10, verse 19. But was not the ultimate goal to sustain love, to be able to continue to offer the one thing that he most desperately longs to give? Without the ability to do so, the plan would fall apart and the human project, quote-unquote, would become meaningless to him. One thing we must take into account our whole lives, there is one great desire that all of us share, the need for relationship. It is the one driving force that unites us all. We all long for intimacy, companionship, and for someone to love. It seems to haunt our souls, always being one of the voices we hear silently speaking from within, and until we find the object of our love, and until we find the object our love has searched for, there is a part of us that feels undone. That is the part that God wants. He wants to be the object of that desire. And through the sacrifice of His Son, now He can be. He has made a way back to love. Now His desire for relationship with us can be met. Yes, we should never underestimate what it cost Him. Long before our love story with him ever began, there in the company of three was found the first object of his great love, his only son. The love that they must share is something we can only begin to understand. Love, loving love, what mystery. So for the father to have to sit by and silently watch his only son endure an agony beyond comprehension must have cost his heart more than we could ever imagine. Think of how much we love those closest to us. For those of us that have ever been blessed with children, think of how much we love that child that has been given to us in this world. And every one of us knows what it is like to deeply long to be loved and to love another. All of that was found in Jesus, and not just for a lifetime, but for an eternity. Never knowing what it meant to be a part, the Father never having to risk sending him out on his own before. So to have to send him out on his first journey, knowing full well that it would end with this open shame being spat upon, ridiculed, ripped to pieces, and slaughtered like an animal left for dead, must have been all a parent could have endured. No wonder the son cried out to his father, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time ever, he knew what it was like to be without love. The father had turned his back. How could he not? All there was in a moment was sin. The object of his love suddenly had become the object of his hate as the sins of all mankind were poured upon him. What had always kept his love alive suddenly was engulfed by darkness. It had to be. 
God had to know what it was like to be without His greatest love so that all He felt in His absence could be unleashed upon the very object that He loved most. Then it was finished. Love would never cease again. His heart would never be in danger once more of having no one who was willing to receive it because now a whole world was made able to partake of it. Every sin paid for, every debt canceled. All we have to do is choose, believe that Jesus did pay it all, and now through our confession that He is Lord and the belief in our hearts in His death and resurrection, we too will never again know life without love. Only a heart that is perfect could have endured what He did, knowing that in the end life would ensue, and with it His goodness made known. I want to encourage you guys right now, if that's not something you've ever done in your life, um, right where you are, in your bedroom, going down the road in the pickup truck, well, you know, just right there, right now, if, if you're maybe in the woods hunting, just listening to this, wherever you may be, maybe you're in a church right now, maybe you're in a, a group of some kind listening to this, um, you know, it, you've always heard it said, and it's so true, if it was just you, he still would have died. Um, it was the joy set out before him, the Bible says, which, which enabled him to endure the cross, was you. And that's pretty astounding if you think about that. And not just not just Jesus and what he went through, but what we just described as well, God, the Father himself, and the pain he must have had to go through. Just It's, it's, it's unimaginable. And you think about, you know, and this kind of just hit me, but you think about, you know, going all the way back to when, um, when God asked, you know, Abraham to, to slay his, his son, right? It was one of the most gut-wrenching things you can ever imagine. I mean, imagine if you, if you can clearly, clearly hear the audible voice of God, as you know, few people have been ever blessed with doing, but imagine if you can actually hear that and God clearly spoke, God, you knew it was God, the man you trust, think about that, the God you trusted more than anything, the one you know that created the world, the heavens and the earth and everything, and the only reason why you're still alive is because of him. And, and he asked you to slay his son. That, that must have been so just unbelievably confusing and heartbreaking. And yet um, the, the hesitant obedience of, of Abraham allowed him to, to carry forth with his, with his task. So Abraham moved forth with slaying Isaac and you just wonder, you know, did God just want him to experience what it would possibly be like to not have a son because there was no other way? And and, and that just kind of really just hit me even as we were just talking, you know, right now. It's just, was that it? Was God trying to give Abraham, who eventually would be the father of, of, of all of, of his people, was God trying to give Abraham a glimpse of what it possibly could be like to have to do the most treacherous and gut-wrenching thing imaginable and, and and maybe perhaps it was a foreshadowing of sorts and we talk about that story in some other details in some other chapters but even now as i mention it you know maybe it was just a foreshadowing of sorts of what uh you know of god showing abraham um you know the the pain and um of course later on we know that god you know how the story goes god stops abraham as the blade hovers above him and you know, love is validated, and and um, you know, there's a lot of reasons there. But I just I, for the first time in my life, I just thought about that story in relation to to God and 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 Christ, and and you know, the Father and the Son having to they have that just imagine that same experience, and God sat there with the blade hovering above Jesus, 
and, and, and actually had to follow through um, because there was no other way in that moment. And that's a powerful thing. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're listening to this, you know, truth is, is it's, it's freeing, right? Because when you just give yourself over to it, you just lean into it, um, it, it saves. And so right now, I encourage you guys, if you don't know him, and we're going to read this last chapter here today. You know, while we do so, I just want to encourage you to, um, to just, just own it. Just own it, right? He's good, and truth is, is so, it's so penetrating. And so you can just simply just, right where you are, just give your life through your heart. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your lips that he is Lord, then you shall be saved. And um, that's all it takes, guys. And you can just give your, yourself over to him right now, right where you are. Um, it's the good news that all of that stuff that's going on inside of yourself right now, um, you can do something with it. You can take it to, to Jesus. And um, he, he saves. And he'll save you right where you are. So take a moment right now as we pause and just, just do it. Just do it. I was if you're still listening, you're you're still with me, and maybe you paused and, and said a prayer. But um, this last chapter here we read today, it's it's called the good news, and um, it's the good news of what just happened and what could happen to you. Um, in Ephesians three ten, we read about one of the purposes of the mystery of why all of all of these things we've been talking about took place. It is it's astounding that part of the intent of the gospel was so that the, the, the wisdom of God might be made known by the church to angels even, Scripture teaches us, as God uses a sinful, broken being to accomplish His will. We take, by taking wretched, worthless souls and placing His Spirit within us, which He, just, which he does, which He just did, giving it new life to reflect the image of God Himself, the angels are even amazed. God gives us a second chance. That's amazing, right? And a great mystery to us, the mystery of his astounding love that passes all knowledge and fulfills all things, even the fullness of God. How can we understand this? God's divine plan even testifies to the angels and other, other beings that he is God. He grants us gifts and a life and a joy that we are not worthy of through his grace. We are bestowed what angels themselves cannot make sense of. It's astounding that a holy God would risk all by sending his only son to be slaughtered for us for just a chance to be loved by us so that he can make his offer. It's been his plan all along to be loved by us, having been created for this love. True love is unable to remain silent. And remember, it must be given. It must search for recipient always. It is not fulfilled until it has arrived. It is not satisfied until it has found its desire. It is not selfish and it never grows weary and it never fades. This love, this holy love, is beyond our comprehension. It is what drives Him. It is what we all truly search for. It is a love that gives and gives and gives and does not find rest until it has been fully given. And it must be shared. By its nature, it cannot be held within itself or it would seem to be forgotten. To abound in the love of Christ, this is holiness. To abound in what we give, what we desire to share, what we wake to make known, 
There is nothing greater. True love has to give. It knows not what else to do. It would give all just to be received. We must all understand this love that drives him. It does not allow him to remain indifferent or inactive. He must search until he finds. He must give until given back to. This is the gospel. Heavenly Father, I just want to um, thank you for this time we've had. And I want to thank you for all the hearts out there who are who are free. And uh, I, I want to lead the hearts out there in, in this prayer, um, if we have not yet. Uh, Father, we just uh, forgive us for, for our sin. Uh, we turn from our wickedness and our depravity. And we just, um, we seek, we, we, we seek the light. And right now we just seek the light. Um, we know that Jesus died for us and that um, the Spirit came and the Holy Spirit came as Jesus said he would and raised him to new life. And when we latch on to that truth and we believe that, we, we join our spirits and our lips and our mind and our body and our heart to that, that, that truth right now that we are saved. And so, Father, right now, we just ask that these people out there, Lord, would just join their hearts to yours, repent, um, be baptized in, in the name of Jesus. And um, as we just, he comes and baptizes and circumcises our hearts, the scripture teaches us. And so right now, we can be baptized into his name right now where we are. And we just, um, we, we, we want it. We want it. And we want a, a renewed just existence. I pray for a church to, to get Father God just um, plugged in with a band of brothers, God, for my, for my, the men and Lord, a company of, of, of women for, for ladies, Father, out there, whoever it may be. Lord, but we would find a way. To, the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, especially when we see the end approaching. And we certainly see the, the turmoil that's associated with the end here. But um, God, we just ask for just a, a bonding of them to, to you first and foremost, your Holy Spirit. They continue to learn and go deeper into you every moment, every day, and those around them that they need, Father, to, to, to teach and lead and disciple, Father, us into, into more and more truth and to, uh, God, the, the, the freedom um, of, of, of heaven. God, and we just uh, we lift you up. We praise you. We thank you for it, Lord. We love you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, guys, thanks again for joining us. Um, we'll be, that was chapters, I believe we're on, um, I think that was chapters 7, 8, and 9, if I'm not mistaken. And so we will be um, doing at least the next three chapters next time, hopefully soon. And I love you guys. Appreciate you. Um, you can always go online. We have a Facebook page actually dedicated to Heart Driven. You can find that. Um, you can also go to goodreads.com. And uh, please leave us a review. It really helps. You know, look, we don't, we're not making money off of these books. You know, I've, in all the books I've ever sold, I've, I've barely made a dime. But, um, you know, we, we just want people to know the love of God. And uh, we hope that this book accomplishes that. So help us, partner with us, and, and, and just simply leaving a review on goodreads.com. Um, you can also do it on Facebook, of course, but um, love you guys. Thank you so much.